Company. You're listening to Fanatsu. You're watching Fanatsu on Facebook. Um, and again, we want to remind you guys, well, first, Sizu Asmasi to all our patrons. Um, and again, we want to encourage you. Um, we do have the, this new tier program, right? So we have three tiers. Um, and it's really, you guys are the ones who help keep the show running. Um, all of us here are uh, dedicated volunteers, basically. Um, and um, a lot of what we do wouldn't be possible without uh, your contributions. So um, yeah, for the first year, uh, $1 to $10 a month, um, which really is minuscule compared to what you probably pay uh, on a week's basis for um, coffee and food. Um, you know, so, and then, so, but yes, one to $10, you help keep the, the show free and available to the masses, and 10 some, to 15. Sometimes Fanatsu is more entertaining than Netflix. Yes. 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 Especially when you get to the end of the, the suggested things and there's nothing left to watch, but sort of like <laughs> knockoff Chinese versions of American movies. Yeah. <laughs> Fanatsu is a great, great investment so. at that point. I think so. <laughs> especially, I mean, at the 10 to 15 or 10 to $14 level, you get radical, history mm-hmm. right you get radical history um that's exclusive to our hugo members um and then you at the 15 dollars, 15 to 20 dollar a month level you get uh, radical readings so if you want to be the uh mass uh radical uh, uh activist then uh you know um 15 a month that's all it takes <laughs> so i don't know that, that that's it for me so patreon.com slash fanatsu so today, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about um, the uh, Magua protests that we all took part in. And um, I guess the larger issues that, that surround the military, militarization, destruction of lands, mm-hmm. and all those things. So all of us were fortunate enough to attend yesterday. And uh, maybe we'll start, we'll start this way. Um, what did you think of uh, the gathering yesterday? Um, I, re- I really think it was a, a beautiful sight to see um, everybody come out and, and really um, show their express their concern really of of this of this ancient side of of a site of you know that was once thrived uh, thriving with the chamorros with our ancestors mm-hmm. and um you know it's for it to be there and then you know all of a sudden um you know it's it's no longer present in its own space um you know artifacts and um laddie lu song right um i think it's very important that you know, we were able to show that we do still care about uh, those artifacts and um, uh, we don't want further destruction of those things. And, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of just be placed in a museum. I think that's, yeah, that doesn't do it justice, really. Right. You know, yeah, definitely. Sweet. So mm-hmm. how did you, what did you think? Was right? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Wait, Manny it's... can't talk. He's... Manny was there as a journalist? I or? was not, actually. Oh, yeah. he was not. So, <laughs> he, mean, he puts on the, the activist hat. hat. Yeah. He's down the journalist hat. Yeah, so, I mean, it was one of those Saturdays where I was fortunate enough to be covering, um, you know, an event like that. You know, usually, you know, they remove me. And by they, I mean the company that I work for, PDN. So. <laughs> There's no other way around that. I mean, like if you're if you're here on Guam, you probably know that I'm a reporter. Um, but yeah, so they they had me removed from a lot of um, like indigenous issues and stuff. And uh, yesterday was just one of those days where the protests happened to align with the day that I'm working, and I'm the only reporter there. So of course, like they're gonna have me write something on it, and you know I tried to do it justice, um, finished the story before I got to the protest, and I was there in my own capacity. Um, but I don't know. It's one of those conversations, like within the newsroom, that I think needs to happen. Like, as as a journalist, you're expected to be, you know, to remain objective, objective of certain yeah. things. But mm-hmm. like when it comes to the destruction of a uh, cultural heritage sites, you know, like what, how can you, how would you argue against that? Why would you support the destruction mm-hmm. of a, of a heritage site? You or know, how like, can you remain objective to that? Even? How can you remain objective to that? There, there's an obvious stance that needs to be taken by all journalists on Guam. If you uh, hold yourself accountable to the people, if you say, if you who, if you are who you think you are, mm-hmm. um, uh, a professional, you know, a journalist, someone who's there to to uncover the truth and to to promote uh, knowledge and learning and understanding, then you have no other choice but to defend. Um, the protection of uh, Chamorro uh, sites, you know, and culture. And 
that's what I'm going to say as I'm leaving the office with a cardboard box full of all my things. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I hope not. At least not until December. But yeah. So, but yeah, no, I mean, like, it's always, it's really cool uh, getting, going into those spaces and just the energy. Um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of times the work that we do, you know, gosh, it's, it's, we're sort of secluded, like, um, as activists, you know, like we all have our our own different roles. Um, a lot of times we only see like, like the people in this room, like we only interact with each other. Um, and you don't really come into contact with the larger movement and larger, um, you know, groups until you have an, an event like that. And then you really, you see, um, the community that you have, like you, and you, you, you recognize that you're part of a larger movement and a larger community. It's not just you. There are other people who are invested in this struggle. And, um, you know, this isn't a fight that we have to go on alone. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy going into those spaces. Um, I try to document um, as true as I can um, the, the goings on, I guess. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. That's how I felt. Definitely. Hannah? Yeah, so... Yeah, exactly. As, as you said, like, we don't really have to go through this alone. And yeah, it does feel good to kind of uh, when we went out there and we saw that there were a lot of people there. Um, that was great. And even for me, I think, um, as you guys mentioned, you don't have to go through this alone. And I'm my family's in like we immigrated from the Philippines, right, uh, to Guam. And sometimes some people may wonder, like, uh, why are you supporting this <laughs> and things like that and militarization and all this is going to give us jobs which we need because we immigrated but I think there's definitely like a bigger picture to that and what it is is I think a lot of people should kind of read on um, Dr. E.J. David because he talks a lot about um, solidarity and he's a Filipino he's in Alaska and he supports a lot of uh, Native Alaskan um, like when they had to do like protests there too because of land taking and an important point that he made was that we all have to realize who our oppressors are because we all have the same oppressor. And if we realize that, then we'll realize that um, we have to come together and we have more similarities than differences. And one of those definitely is um, about our lands being um, desecrated. And that's something that we all need to stand um, against. So yeah, I'm really, really happy that I was there and I was <laughs> kind of gung ho pointing on everybody like this sign is for you. <laughs> but uh, uh yeah. I just like stare people like especially if they're coming off the gate, I just like stare at them and just like stop stealing our land, right? But um yeah, you gotta kind of make it fun because otherwise it is kind of depressing that we're there again and we probably have to do it many more times after. So yeah, Senor Yes. Uh, speaking about yesterday and the, I don't know, there's so many things to talk about. There's so mm -hmm. many things to talk about. It was really cool because it was a, it was such a diverse group in terms of age, in terms of profession, in terms of uh, ethnicity. Mm. Like, um, and that's always really nice because it's a good reminder because the, you know, a lot of people will look at like, you know, somebody like, let's say, Doug Moylan, for example, who seems to be putting a lot of stuff out there, which is basically like, if you're pro tomorrow, you're bad tomorrow, mm -hmm. right? And then even some of the camp, the gubernatorial camps are kind of putting this idea out there that you can't be too proud to be tomorrow, right? But this protest is an important reminder that you don't have to be tomorrow to care about the tomorrow people. And that if you love Guam, then part of what your love should be, it doesn't mean you got to love all the Chamorro people because there's yeah. some Chamorro assholes out there too. <laughs> like, like, you're just joking. Yeah, like every, every group's got some assholes, right? But, um, but if you love Guam really, like it's your home, then you've got to take the Chamorro people with it if you're being like a good person, if you're being a person who's living with a sense of justice, a sense of purpose, and you're not just continuing a lot of the BS exploitation that humanity mm -hmm. has carried out forever, right? Like, And so that's that issue is, um, it's so nice to see different people protesting about the desecration of Chamorro heritage because mm -hmm. even if you're not Chamorro, mm -hmm. you can still take pride in that. Yeah. It can still be part of how, you know, your identity that like, I love this place, 
and without you know without the Chamorro people it wouldn't be this place mm-hmm. and so that's why I mean in in some ways that's I think one of the things that independent Guahan has done pretty well uh, which other groups in the past have kind of struggled with is because you can have a pro-Chamorro message and you don't need to be tokenistic about like saying well we have a non-Chamorro with us so we're not racist mm-hmm. but you can make your message one so that non-chamorros can can participate in it mm-hmm. that it includes it includes non-chamorros and so that's what i liked about that is it wasn't sometimes nation chamorro in the past they show up and they protest and it's a very exclusive chamorro message right um it's a strong message but it feels exclusive mm-hmm. but then yesterday was kind of like no matter what walk of life you come from come and join us because we can all basically say that the military shouldn't be uh yanking a bunch of laddie stones and lusong out of the ground and they shouldn't be sort of covertly destroying a, a site yeah. like that especially if they have made promises that they would like to preserve it yeah yeah i think um from from the get-go this was um i want to say like a multilateral <laughs> um issue you know and you know let's not forget that the person who uh, blew the whistle on this was uh dave lots mm-hmm. you know he's a, a white settler um uh, I'll give it to him. Maybe a responsible settler. <laughs> Is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think so. He, he, you burned it, Dave Lots. Thank you. <laughs> You're responsible. So yeah, we, I don't think we would we would know about you know the destruction at Magua unless he um, took to Facebook and uh, you know exposed what was going on there, you know, in a non-Julius Caesar kind of way. Um, so. Facebook can still be used for good, not just evil. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> not just evil. So, yeah, but I, I mean, there, there's multiple multiple interests here. Like, you know, um, even if you're going on like logic, you know, like one of the the common retorts to you know our movement was is that uh, especially by people like Paul Zerzan is oh the the military are, are the best stewards of the environment and uh, um, cultural resources and all that stuff. Um, yeah, not when they're like you said, covertly destroying um, uh, cultural sites and bulldozing uh, massive amounts of of land. Um, there's just no defense for for what they've done. It's um it's detestable. It's uh it's wrong. Um, and you know, Dave Lotz got him red-handed. You know, mm-hmm. and he was there as well yesterday. It's really cool to see him out there. So, but yeah. Um, I guess that brings me to uh, one of the next uh, points that I want to talk about was um, how, because this was uh, such a multilateral issue, um, there were multiple uh, constituents who were there as well. Um, and something that Sabina Perez, who's running for office, um, remember her on November 6th, um, something that she said yesterday as we were closing out was that, um, you know, this is one of uh, the first times that uh, Independent Guahan and Putehila Tekten, which is uh, primarily uh, focus on environmental preservation and especially the, the return of lands at Latexan to uh, the ancestral uh, owners, right? But um, I feel like over the past year, or I mean, maybe last year, um, our issues were, were seen as sort of separate, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I know, I understand that uh, on the Putehi fronts, there was some concern about um, becoming too involved with independent Guahan because they didn't want to seem um explicitly like anti-military or too too political mm-hmm. you know but you know i think us coming together it sort of shows that you know there, there's an acknowledgement that that the bigger beast that we have to to fight is is colonization and um militarization which which accompanies that um and it's really nice to see the two groups coming together we i think yesterday we had a pretty good turnout there was over 100 people i think um and yeah it was really cool to see that and i hope it happens uh, more often so and i do want to acknowledge all of the political candidates that showed up yeah. mm-hmm. and it is nice when sort of if before any of us were born guam was a place where you didn't really protest mm-hmm. you didn't really demonstrate the as as robert underwood says the only real protests that happened during the vietnam war on guam were pro-war protests where people protested that they weren't, there wasn't enough bombing and there wasn't enough killing and you needed to keep fighting. Mm. And so there wasn't a lot of, because Chamorros really didn't have this idea, right? Um, that you're supposed to come out and show up and make yourself known. You're just supposed to kind of stay quiet, let it 
Shemprigi kanai zoos nai. It's in God's hands. Just leave it alone. Timai megosi zoos. But it's good that we are coming to a point in the in our identity as a community where people feel like it's it's okay now for us mm-hmm. to speak out. It's okay for us to show up and be counted. And what I really liked is that people who are known to be more conservative um, were there yesterday too, mm-hmm. whether to sort of gain support from the other side of the issue or just to make clear that they hear the community, mm-hmm. even on issues. And so, wait, let's name all of the people who were there. Okay. So Doris Flores Brooks was there and, mm-hmm. and she made a, a very nice statement, um, you know, basically uh, promising that if the military has broken any promises, broken any laws, then then we will hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. Lacia Casil was there. Kelly Marsh. Kelly Marsh. Kelly Marsh. Kelly Marsh. Kelly Marsh. Sabina, Sabina Perez. Mary Torres. Mary, Torres. Mary Camacho Torres. Torres. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and Jim Moylan. Jim Moylan. Jim Moylan. And then um, Harold Cruz. Yes, Harold Cruz. Cruz was there Ken. from the beginning to the end. Ken Joada. Ken Joada was also there. He dropped some exciting knowledge on nice. us in meme form. <laughs> and so. Um, was that it? Oh, was no, no. Right? There was a yeah, couple more than that. Janae Uggen was also mm. there. Oh, yes, Sweet. yes, yes. Um, who else? Clint Rigel. Clint Rigel. Clint Rigel yes. was also like there. Flag, right? He, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so there may be there may be one or two more. Hopefully, I'll, I'll oh there was that writing candidate, um, John Guerrero, I think. Um, yeah, Jonathan. John Guerrero. J O N A. Okay, but thank you to those of you because you know this is as Robert Underwood said yesterday. You know this issue of contention with the military has been there for a while. And the last thing that you would ever need is a leader who will just pretend that our role is to is to shut up and wave the flag, is to shut up and smile and, and just say, yes, whatever you want. Because, you know, it was funny because somebody who was driving by angrily yesterday and, and actually most people supported, mm-hmm. like most people were honking and in yeah. favor. Other people just avoided eye contact. Yeah. They're just like... <laughs> but there was one woman who who didn't like who was really angry because she was saying that the money that the military gives us, we would waste it. And like, that's part of the problem. A lot of people on Guam think that if there's a military buildup, the military comes to sort of your Nana's house with a briefcase filled with cash and opens it up and says, support the buildup and you get this briefcase filled with cash, Nana. <laughs> and Nana's like, oh my goodness, this is, I'm gonna win bingo, you know. It's like, but that's not how it works. The military doesn't give Guam any money directly. It's not like they actually, we don't have that type of relationship with them. Mm. So why is it then that we think we do? Where like mm-hmm. they're giving us money and so we need to maintain our relationship with them. It's, we get money indirectly from the military presence, not directly. And so if you think about that, then you gotta, it, it kind of takes some of that, some, some of the, sort of the energy out of that issue where we're supposed to just shut up and take it because it's not like we get this big, you know, this big briefcase from the heavens mm-hmm. of, of military money. We don't. I haven't seen it. No. <laughs> and, and you work at the PDN. You would get like PDN. first crack at that. Yeah. They would send you out. Well, maybe not you, man. Yeah. They would send somebody else out. <laughs> no, that other guy. He doesn't deserve a visitor's pass to go on uh, Anderson. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, by the way, I mean, like, I don't know. Did you guys get a chance to read the article that I wrote? Yes. Um, yeah, so one of the things that I tried to do, um, you know, leading up to the protests was I made a conscious effort to make sure that things were being framed correctly and truthfully. And um, one of the one of the simplest ways to do that, and I guess I'm speaking to my fellow journalists out there, is, um, you know, I, I, I avoided the word activist. You know, for all its uh, connotations that it's accrued over the past couple of decades, and I, I refer to us like who, what we really are—we're community members. I don't know if anyone caught that. Um, so, I don't know. Like, subscribe, comment below. <laughs> so, I, mean, I want to know what you think out there. But yeah, so yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. It felt it felt good uh, when I was writing that, 
and knowing that in a way I, I was breaking away from the expectations of of the newsroom, you know, um, by avoiding the word activist and, um, you know, from the get go, referring to us as community members, because uh, that's really who we are. There's people like Bobby Beneventi, who's a grandma who is out there protesting. There's grandfathers, there's sons, daughters, aunties, you name it. Um, just multiple veterans, veterans even. Yes. So like From the South, they drove the, um, there was a couple that actually, uh, he was a veteran. He mentioned to us that he's a veteran. And um, he said he drove all the way from the South to make sure that he was there today, or yesterday, excuse me, to you know, show that he does care about our, our ancestors. Uh, our ancestors. Mm ancestry or artifacts right and uh the desecration of those artifacts right so um i think that was a uh, that was really nice to see definitely you know yeah. and and he said you know i i was uh i was in the the war i went to kuwait i went to this and he said but this is this is wrong you know this is yeah I'm trying to sum up what he said to yeah. me but you know in essence he said it was wrong and i just i'm showing my support for that and that was that was really nice to see, especially I think that's another platform that we we definitely would love to see more of, right? Yeah, definitely. Especially, you know, emphasizing I think he also mentioned to us um that he he's a veteran and he isn't like anti military, right? <laughs> but what it is is that he there are things that they are doing wrong and we do have to hold them accountable and that's what he did. And yeah. his wife was there, it was really sweet. So that's yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, a couple that protest together stays, uh, stays together. <laughs> and by the way, I have a really cool photo of you two, so I got to share that with you guys afterwards. Thanks. But um, yeah, where was I going to go with that? <laughs> I don't know. Let me check the camera. Yeah, for those of you watching, depending on your age, if you're younger, you may not have a lot of memories of of protests before. Um, but getting 150 people out to a protest is is a pretty rare thing on guam mm. i mean the only people that can that have been able to do that consistently are usually like uh the catholic church if it's about an anti-abortion protest <laughs> oh, or yeah. march or something That's like true. that yeah yeah but um normally so like for activists interested in decolonization and demilitarization it's usually hard to get a lot of people out you know um you think about groups like 20 30 40 50 but um, it was really nice on the eve of an election when everybody's uh, got candidates to vote for or uh, or candidates to not vote for, <laughs> candidates to write in, or when people are just locking themselves in their closets because they don't want to deal with it anymore, yeah. or people cracking their phones in half because of the sheer amount of YouTube political mm. ads there are there's out too there. damn many. Yeah. yeah, and they're so dirty. And so I think that they're I think that the candidates are going to learn this time that you can't that if it's if that the culture is changing. So people, you know, have this thing about watching videos and then if it and they don't expect ads and if it comes in, it will boomerang. It'll negatively affect the candidate. Yeah. And so we shall see whoever's running the most of those ads. It may negatively affect them in the polls, especially with younger people. Right. Mm -hmm who may vote over something as simple as the fact that I always saw your damn ad. Yeah. Every time I was trying to watch Minecraft videos. <laughs> oh, and so that's why, I mean, that's why my kids, my kids basically yeah. only know, they know about who's running based on whatever shows up in their Minecraft yeah. ad and Minecraft videos that they're watching. Actually, he was like, Hadzi see James Moylan. Oh my God. <laughs> like, oh, like this. yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, because they all, a bunch of them made green screen ads, like in the yeah. last couple of yeah. years. And so I think Lassia has a green screen ad. I mm. think Clint yes. has a green screen ad. And and I'm not saying there's anything bad about green screen ads, but mm. it was just that it, my my son Akli was much more engaged over the past week yeah. because of the ads. Well, if anyone's interested, I mean, my six-year-old is voting for uh, Lulian Guerrero. I mean, if that means anything. So, <laughs> yeah, like... She's formed her own opinion, her own political opinions based on the uh, the amount of YouTube ads that there are out there. So, yeah, anyways, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we, should we talk about, like, um, what do you think the chances are for, what do they call that? When, when there's a successful writing campaign. Runoff? Um, Runoff run run vote. What do you guys think the prospects of that are? 
I mean, I'm not a I'm not a strategist. I don't. Should we bet money? Let's bet money. Or, right wait, now. no, no, no. We'll bet. Uh, we'll bet coconuts, pugwa. Okay. We have. We'll bet something else. Okay. Um, oh, I I think there's absolutely gonna be a runoff. Oh. Like I I will I would bet money that there's gonna be a runoff. Mm-hmm. That's my bet. Help me help me understand. I mean, so like when there's a runoff, will it be between all three candidates or just the the top two scoring? And so do you think that it could very well be between Lou and Frank Hogan? Mm -hmm. So it would be... Yeah. My wait, wait. Somebody else say this. Somebody else bet too. Be This what kind of cockfight right. is this? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, we're only one person's betting. Yeah. Wait, wait. Okay, wait. So here, let's. So first bet, first round. Do is there going to be a runoff? I say there is going to be a runoff. I think there's going to be a runoff. You can say there isn't going to be a runoff. We'll yeah. say there is. Say, <laughs> you can say that the island will no, capsize. You can say. I bet someone else is going to win. Mm. Not runoff. Oh, I mean, if shaking. we're if we're following the national rate scene, oh man, which I don't know. Um, I think there's a possibility. I think it's probably like sixty percent. Wait, uh, that there's gonna be a that runoff? there's gonna be a runoff. I think. Hmm. Just because. Yeah. Maybe I'll go on Recent the other tides. side and say there won't be a runoff. Yeah, you no. can. Hannah's winning all the Pugwa and <laughs> all the. Uh... <laughs> there won't be a runoff. Oh man. Wait, yeah, but so what percent? Do, do, do we need for it to be a runoff? You just need to get a, a, like a majority, like a simple majority. Mm. So that's why it's not a plurality. Mm. Like, because usually in elections, it's a plurality as long as you get the most votes. But then certain places have it where you got to get like, you know, plus over 50%. And so that's, uh, I think that, uh, yeah, in my impression, I think that of the three parties that are running, Lou is in the lead and then i see bota and ray tenori after that and then i see mm-hmm. frank frank Uggen and alicia limchiaco in third and so my my assumption is it would be lou and ray that they would be the ones that would go on to the runoff if it is a runoff interesting okay oh no Damn. that's that's my interpretation people can have total totally different interpretations mm. and all right do you think it'll be a runoff between Biden, the Democrats, the Democrats? I mean, like, I don't know. Again, here, maybe, maybe you can you can correct my understanding on this, but I mean, like, so if the primary was any indicator, I mean, like, obviously there, there are more Democrat voters on Guam than there are Republicans, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, because we have the sheer numbers, wouldn't wouldn't the write-off be between uh, Lou and Frank's camp? No. No, and de- Democrats always have more voters, mm-hmm. but um, so remember that in the primary, there was way more Democratic votes, right? But that's normal because they had four people running. Uh-huh. And my assumption, and not everyone agrees with me, is that a bunch of Republicans, because because it's an open primary, right? There's a difference: closed primary, open primary, right? And so in that one. Every, a bunch of Republicans, I say, went and decided to vote in the Democratic primary because you can't cross over on your ballot. But if you're a, a Republican, there's nothing that stops you from going in and taking a Democratic ballot and mm-hmm. voting or uh, the, taking the ballot and voting on the Democratic side. And so um, that is my interpretation of what happened, because Republican turnout was so low, even though they have. A bunch of candidates running for the legislature that that have their own crews that are getting themselves out there uh-huh. and it didn't reflect where they should be at in terms of people just who are supporting people like like james moylan or amanda bloss or mary torres like they were low so it made me think that republicans knowing that their head the the godzu for magalahi is is safe they don't gotta challenge that the, their their senators are kind of set. You go over to the other side and you vote to disrupt. You vote mm-hmm. to troll. And I would argue that probably at least a thousand or so did that. Interesting. Kind of messing with the dynamics over there. That's my interpretation of it because there's a lot more Republicans than the amount that voted in the primary, and they may be experiencing low enthusiasm because of because. Their candidate has been hit with a lot of scandals, but 
um, there's still a lot more than that that are out there. Mm. And especially now, because of the way that the Tenorio, the Botta camp has kind of stirred up a lot of uh, attacks on Lou, yeah. like around, yeah. especially around the issues of abortion. Mm-hmm. What we'll probably see then is that a lot of those Republicans who stayed home or who crossed over will come back to the party because mm. now sort of there's a reason for them to show up. Mm. But, um, but I would still interpret that I think, I think Lou still has an edge. That, but that's just my interpretation of it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. What about you guys? Why am I? Well, this is why I did not want to be in this episode. Oh, I knew that. Just because Sagwawi Amku being I'm the old one here. Everyone's deferring to me. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I guess I, I really, I, I don't, I haven't spent enough time um, analyzing Guam politics. So I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I'm really, I guess I'm worried that like, if the internet if international indicators are anything to to say for Definitely. what could happen on november 6th i i'm worried that ray tenorio might win and we might and i'm afraid that doug moylan might win as well and we might be uh divulged into a fascist uh colonial state and uh yeah i'm obviously i i'm i'm thinking about like the whole the bolsonaro thing in brazil and, um, you know, just, you know, U.S. politics and uh, the climate there, uh, especially with like the, the, the caravan stuff that pops up on my feed, you know, pretty regularly. And it's really scary to know that the national response uh, to um, thousands of, uh, of asylum seekers from South America is to send tens of thousands of uh, soldiers so to the border. And uh, no one's up in arms. No one's um, like, what the fuck is going on? You know? And so, I don't know. I, I hate to say, or I, w- I would hate to, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. And I hope that, you know, we don't follow suit with a, like a hard right wing, um, you know, administration. Um, I don't know. That, that's where my head's at right now. Yeah. I think no, I definitely. Think, I think, think it's. We all uh, share. I think we all share that same, same sentiment. I think Hannah and I we talk about it quite often, and we're we 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 really are legitimately worried because it seems like we we are almost reflecting the same climate that's uh, uh, election climate that's uh, mm-hmm. spurred up in the U.S. and and again with that that uh, caravan stuff. Yeah. Um, I think Trevor Noah said something like, you know, why are we sending ten thousand troops? Why don't we send five thousand lawyers and judges to get mm-hmm. everything squared away there? You know, there's mm-hmm. he's like, what's what's the point in that? And he said, you know, he's um, trying to sum it up. So he said something like, you know, these guys they're gonna get there, and so a part part uh, some of them have already signed, you know, waiver or forms or mm-hmm. to um, properly get into the U.S. And and he said. It's just interesting that, um, you know, all of this um, media is spinning it off as if they're just trying to jump the fence, right, or cross the border easily, so, illegally, right? I know, and why is it always such a big issue when, like, other people are crossing America's borders, but here we are in our, like, other people's lands, and they're definitely, again, back to what they've done, like, no one's ever... You know, like they're here desecrating other people's land, but when it's people who are actually in need, like they're it's they're so quick to, you know, like turn a literal gun on them. So <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. Very true. Speaking I, of guns, I'm kind of scared for that to happen to your mom. Like we don't, don't want to mind. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, come on, man. And I think again, yesterday you you spoke a little bit about um how prior protests uh, there was um, was met with um, some of the military force MPs mm-hmm. uh, at times and if you could kind of discuss a little bit about that and you know yesterday we didn't see any MPs we didn't see anybody stroll the fence right uh, yeah. even though we were across it and sometimes we were at the borderline that said the US government property that blue line mm-hmm. that you know is drawn there next to McDonald's road yeah. so I think in some ways the well first of all we have to wonder why the military hasn't been more open or forthcoming about this as robert underwood pointed out yesterday like um they could easily respond to this like the fact that they have trouble responding to it or that 
like the state historic preservation officers responding for them instead of them, that's very telling. Hmm. It's almost kind of like an acknowledgement that they know that something wasn't right that they did or that they broke some, you know, they broke agreements or something like that. But, um, and so that's, so in, in one way that may have then led to them basically trying to make sure that the protest doesn't become anything bigger than it already is. Right. Because the, like the, the human chain that blocked Anderson last year, um, you know, it didn't, it's, uh, the, the MPs, in my opinion, from what people said, the MPs may have sort of made it even a little bit more dramatic than it needed to be. Mm-hmm. And also, this is from my understanding of what happened. The people were protesting at the side of the road and they simply asked for somebody to come out and talk to them, mm. which is standard. And if you're sort of used to these sorts of things and if you don't freak out, then you just somebody you send somebody out to talk to them to hear their concerns. Mm-hmm. Um but I was I was talking last week to somebody who who was served in the military for many years, and he said that one of the issues we have on Guam is that a lot of the commanders that we get are not the types of commanders that really work with the community or are used to overseeing a lot of different things. We get commanders that are basically like the ones that run warehouses or about transporting things from here to there. So they're not like the big thinkers. They can't see the larger picture. They just kind of are like, look, I got to maintain my base. And they have trouble thinking about what's beyond the fences. Mm -hmm. And so he said that that's one reason why it's difficult for them to deal with protests because it's not in their job description to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And whereas in other places, the commanders expect that sort of thing. Part of what they do is public relations. It is dealing with the community, whether to pacify them or or to negotiate with them. And so I really think that this time, though, they wanted to kind of learn their lesson and and stay away. Let the demonstration happen. Don't incite anything. Don't cause anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of it is also that the, the blue line with the federal blue line is 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 was further away from us. Mm-hmm. Like even if you cross the street, you're nowhere near the federal blue line. Mm-hmm. But I was I was I was surprised because. In times past, when I have just been taking a picture across the street into the base, MPs have come out and, and threatened to, to take away my camera. Mm. Like, um, or told me that I'm not allowed to take pictures of the base. I can't face my camera towards the fence line or something like that. I'm breaking federal law if I do that. Yeah. Whether that's true or not is, 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 is one thing. But yeah, they didn't come out and engage at all. And the cops kept their distance. The cops mm-hmm. didn't sort of come. And, and so that's... On the one hand, that's it shows that they're you know that they're having an understanding of it. They they know that if they do react, it may create another story about it, right? Um, but we'll have to see what comes from this. As Sabina said when we were closing, you know, we have to make sure that it doesn't just stop by the side of the road today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As Underwood said, it's part of a larger struggle to sort of define our relationship. Uh, because if you define your relationship in the world and to the United States, you define your relationship with the U.S. military as well. And as long as you're a territory, you're always going to be this thing that they don't got to take seriously, really. They can be friendly and nice one day. They can completely ignore you the next. And you can complain and they can just look at you and say, well, you're not Japan and you're not California. So if I'm nice to you on, on, on Wednesday, take it. And don't get pissed off if I act like I don't know you on Thursday because I don't got to pretend to know you. Like I, It's out of the goodness of my heart that I pretend to respect you and I pretend we're a partner. Mm. It's that kind of relationship. And so uh, something like this helps us to, you could say, evolve or mature our relationship to the military where we don't see it anymore as just this golden ticket it's just this thing that just has all these fantastic positives. You don't question it. You don't challenge it. Mm-hmm. But realizing that there, there are benefits to having bases, there's negatives too. And we don't gain anything by blinding ourselves or letting our, our leaders be blind to those negatives. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't gain anything. There's nothing to be gained from it. That's why we got to get out of sort of the, that idea that our relationship to the United States is about faith and patriotism, right? Because we could be the most patriotic spear tip in the Pacific. We could be the most patriotic 
formerly inhabitable sort of nuclear nuclear bombed out destroyed husk mm. doesn't doesn't necessarily help you much um, if you're a colony you can be faithful you can be friendly you can sort of pledge your allegiance to the colonizer but there is no expectation that that's reciprocated mm. because as as the famous air force captain who i always love to quote said if people if people on guam if guam expresses a wish it's like my cup expresses a wish you belong to me i can do with you as i please mm -hmm. yep it's about that exploitation yeah yeah so we're about 42 minutes in you guys want to start wrapping it up yeah sure well i mean i guess i i don't know the 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 last uh my parting thought that I want to leave with you guys with is um, something that I picked up at uh, the um, Grassroots Guam uh, Cannabis Conference <laughs> that also happened yesterday. But um, yeah, uh, the lady uh, there who is the executive director of Americans for Safe Access as a cannabis advocacy group, um, she uh, made a very important point that, um, you know, elected officials don't do most things out of the kindness of their hearts or because they know something is the right thing to do they they represent people and so long as people aren't uh making their voices heard so long as they're not um you know uh calling their their senator's offices um you know standing out of uh standing outside of the office bathroom or something uh waiting to to uh disrupt um their daily uh their daily goings on you know as long as they're not being heard they're not making effort an effort to be heard like nothing's going to change and if you want to see change um you have to be willing to engage uh with uh with elected elected officials you have to go to protests you have to um you have to put yourself out there um uh get together with groups like independent guahan protect Tecton. um you have to be organized and you have to be heard so that's something that I feel translates uh, quite well to uh, yesterday and to, um, you know, politics on Guam moving forward, uh, especially the fight against militarization and for recognition, you know, so. Okay. Any parting thoughts, Al? <laughs> um, no, definitely. I think, uh, I think especially uh, this time in, in, in Guam's uh, with Guam's quest moving forward, I think this is a, the opportune time to really join, you know, um, the movements or, you know, and, and, and really inform yourself and, and learn more about, uh, you know, what what there is uh, to offer, what, what's on the table or what's at stake. And especially with our environments. And, and again, like um, um, Senor was saying earlier, he said, you know, if, if we all say that we truly do love Guam and, and uh, then and its environment really and this tropical paradise then we really must um educate ourselves and uh you know be a part of things like this that really are standing up to protect that same paradise that you 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 enjoy every sunday with your family the beaches right and um the, those spaces that are sacred to our ancestors right and to the um the chamorros here yeah definitely yeah. and sorry you know um if we if we want to engage the Catholic constituency, I think we need to start um, saying the Divine Mercy when we protest and just like walk uh, <laughs> do rounds uh, across. A, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, I'm not. I'm not opposed to it. I mean, if that's what it takes to to engage, uh, you know, Catholic protesters, then sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So parting thoughts. Um, you know. When we were there at the protest, there was somebody who drove by and said, who cares, right? And yeah, like, why should we care? But I think if we kind of take it more to a personal level and um, kind of even detach us within like the political stuff, um, we have to realize that like these cultural sites and um, these uh, environments um, play a really, really significant role when it comes to the formation of identity. and. Why is that important? Why is that important to each and every one of us, even if we're not tomorrow? Um, I think like there's a lot of studies that kind of go on and show that uh, if we have a stronger identity, if we're able to trace our uh, roots back to these sites and things like that, then we have an overall better um, mental health and better environment, right? Like here on Guam right now, we have so many um, suicides and so many like um, 
depression, right? Our rates of depression and mental illness is very, very high. And if you kind of want to look at it, like it's probably because all of our environment uh, is being disrupted. And so our biology is being disrupted. So if you want to take better care of yourself and even your history or like your, I mean, your, your future, then like come out, right. And, and do these protests. And like, as many said, like speak up and yeah, that's my parting thoughts. Take care of your mental health. Protest. <laughs> yeah, my my parting thought is, I, yeah, just uh, I don't know. I guess my perspective on all of all things about militarization and military buildups and patriotism and protesting is always very different because, like, I've I've never had base access, and so there's never any been sort of this thing where you feel like the uh, where you feel like um, like you feel in, like uh, you don't want to speak out because you don't want that threatened or disrupted and stuff like that. Um, so some people feel like when you cross the our, uh, it's funny because the poet uh, Lee Perez, you know, she wrote that when she was growing up, the fences represented what she was supposed to be. It was on the other side, right? So which is similar to what Ben Blas said when he was growing up. Ben Blas said that he would sit on the fence from the segregated communities in pre-war Guam. He would sit behind a wall and he would listen um, to the American children on the other side speaking English to each other and he would try to pretend like he was like them and he would try to copy the way they talk so he could be American because everybody was supposed to be American. And Lee Perez says that on the other side of the military fence growing up, she heard stories that... Um, that over there they got paid to do chores in their houses that like they wore they got to shop out of catalogs they had TVs like everybody on the other side was like the Brady Bunch so she she the fences represented this thing that she needed to cross to become somebody important that all the things that she wanted and needed were on the other side of the fence and that's why she writes in her essay, Inside Out, that when Angel Santos, when she saw him jump the fence at Tizan in protest, she thought of him as being wrong and bad. And then he spat on, a, on, on, a mili on, a, on an MP and she thought he was disgusting and wrong for doing that. But then her, her consciousness changed and she realized that the fence was not a marker of achievement the fence was actually something keeping her from what was hers. And that Angel Santos and others were crossing the fence to kind of remind us about what had been taken from us. And it's important that as a community, people get to that point. It doesn't mean that everybody needs to jump a fence like Angel Santos, but it's an important reminder that sort of the fence is there and it can have many meanings. But you gotta remember that even if you can see through the fence, it is opaque politically. Like our power, our rights don't extend much beyond the fence, especially if you don't have base access. And that's why Dave Lott's coming forward on this issue was so important mm -hmm. because it's not like if I was worried about something like that, I could just go over there and check it out. Mm -hmm. um, and, as, um, and as some local senators and leaders have said, the military has recently made it even more difficult for them to visit the base. Mm -hmm to carry out their oversight. And so we have to remember what the fences are. The fences are not there to protect us. Mm -hmm. That's what you think. If you think the military is there to protect us, the fences are not there for that. The fences are there to kind of protect their interests, mm -hmm. to defend what they claim is theirs. And so we need to be cautious about that because the heritage of this island goes under the fences. It's in the ground. And you find some of it on the other side of the fences. And so you have to think every time. So every time you kind of think about this issue, just remember the, the Lati at Angel Santos Park. So those are the Lati that are left over from, from Meppo or from the Fena area. The military destroyed a lot of artifacts in order to build, <coughs> to build a naval magazine. And then they donated those Lati to the community as a gift. And so that's what the fences represent, is they represent this line where sort of, um, and we can't just accept that. 
especially when there's so many issues of cultural disturbance and desecration, environmental contamination, especially when you have buildups and then the economic impact extends beyond the fences, right? Where increasing the presence leads to increased cost of rent and cost of living on the island. So we can't ever have this position anymore like we're supposed to respect the fences and just shut up. So that's why for me, this demonstration was so important. And it's, it's like so many before it, it's part of the maturation of our relationship to those fences, where we don't see them as strongly and as sort of as and as uh, impervious and as untouchable as we used to. But now we now we can see them in the light of day that there may be some benefits to, to having these bases here, but we also need to be vigilant and we also need to make sure that the heritage of this island is protected and that we are protected. Mm -hmm. Biba. Biba. Wow. Adios. 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 Join us for the next half, patrons. <laughs> <laughs>